This is exactly right. murder the mini sode it's the mini episode it's the short one yeah. uh that comes on monday at the beginning of the week <laughs> you remember you remember today's monday sorry about that this is a hometown baby jessica story Ooh. hi mfm every time my mom tells my birth story it's actually largely the baby jessica story my mom went into labor shortly after she heard the news that baby jessica got stuck in the well nearly her entire labor consisted of my mom making a deal with god that she would sustain the pain of childbirth if he would keep baby jessica alive oh <laughs> Lady, you're going to sustain the pain of childbirth anyway. <laughs> I hate to tell you, you're having a baby. An hour after baby Jessica was free, I was born. Wow. So on top of all the people that actually saved baby Jessica, my mom also likes to give herself a little thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I remember uh, getting an, a really bad ear infection when I was probably like six or seven uh -huh. and begging God that if he made it go away, I'd be a really good Catholic. <laughs> And it Is worked. That, so you still have that ear infection then? That's right. It hurts so bad to <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. I wrote in another actually heroic story of my mother a couple years ago. And since I'm talking about her and it's almost Mother's Day, here it is again. See, this is the, that's the kind of persistence we're looking for. Yeah. Okay. One night in 1992, my mom was half asleep and heard a noise. From her bed, she could see into the dining room and a man climbing through the window. Before she could pick up the phone and call for help, the stranger was on top of her, addressing her by name and telling her if she wasn't quiet, he would kill her three children too. Oh my God. My mom, being 5'3 and almost 110 pounds, didn't have a lot of options, so she started talking. She convinced him to murder her in the woods away from the house where her children wouldn't find her. He agreed. In the slow transition off of the bed, the phone fell off the hook. The loud noise off the hook sound surprised him, and when he looked towards the noise, she pushed in his eyeball with her long 90s acrylic nails. Holy Fuck. Yes, yes. Push the in eyes. his eyeball. She fucking took that. I I like to imagine because it was long and acrylic that it had a tiny painting of a sunset on yeah. it. And she just jammed it into his eye. The now one-eyed intruder fled back out the door and into the woods, <sighs> leaving zip ties, duct tape, and a knife. Soon after, she moved us to Southern California, <laughs> a.k.a. as far away as she could. I slept through the whole thing and was only told years later when my mom was wine drunk on a school night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way to be. They never, caught, they never caught the man, but at the time, my mom had just broken up with an abusive med school graduate who had almost broken her arm and had threatened multiple times that he would kill her. Maybe he didn't hire anyone to kill my mom, but it sure as hell seems like he did. Whoa. Stay sexy. And if you're in think twice before going into a radiologist. Oh, my God. <laughs> go moms. Go women. XO Annie. Wow. Oh, shit, girl. That's horrifying. That's crazy. I can't believe they couldn't find someone whose eye was fucking punctured. Yeah. Okay. This one's called Another Killer Dentist Story. Yes. 
Hello, Murder Queens, furry friends, and Steven. Do you hate that whole thing? No, I like it. Okay. I was listening to a minisode where someone's mom almost dated a killer dentist and was remind, and it reminded me vaguely of my hometown killer dentist story. My first dentist when I was a child was Bart Corbin, based out of Hamilton, Mill, Georgia. <laughs> it's really confusing when you see your own name. <laughs> uh, based out of Hamilton Mill, Georgia. Anne Rule totally wrote a book about it and re- and I reviewed it for my seventh grade book project. Nice. Very cool. Also, um, <laughs> he always seemed like a little odd, but the man knew how to clean teeth and do root canals, so we didn't think anything of it. <laughs> my aunt used to play tennis with his wife's sister, and they seemed like a normal family. Husband, wife, two sons, white picket fence. This, though, was not the case because in December of 2004, there oldest son who was really young at the time ran to the neighbor's house and told them that someone had shot his mom when police arrived at the scene corbin's wife jen was found with a gunshot wound to the head suicide-esque mm. it was quickly determined that it was a homicide framed as a suicide the giveaway was that the hand holding the gun was neatly tucked under the covers oh yeah it came out that their relationship had gone south. She had met someone online and he was having an affair with his secretary. She was in the process of serving him divorce papers and he lost it and killed her. Oh, my God. It came out later that he had done the same thing to his ex-girlfriend he had in dentistry school, Dolly. She broke things off. He put sugar in her gas tank, stole her cat, and destroyed her final project before finally shooting her in the head and framing it as a suicide in the same way. I feel like this has been a Forensic Files. I'm sure it has. The Dolly, the name Dolly is the first girlfriend, I yeah. think, is stories yeah. and memories. The only reason he didn't get caught that time was because a rookie cop responded to the scene and picked the gun out of her hand after seeing the shot through the head. Yeah. Needless to say, he was arrested for his wife's murder and was no longer my dentist. (laughs) (laughs) But I did... But he was arrested for his wife's murder, so I began to travel to the prison to get my teeth done there. What else was I going to do? My dad was in the middle of a root canal and had to find a new dentist ASAP. He loved the new guy we went to and told my mom we should start going there since our old dentist was a murderer. (laughs) A week later, the new dentist was on the news for child molestation no (laughs) i now have a dentist who has never been convicted of anything thankfully nice love the show and all you do mads from georgia oh mad dude that's don't let your dad pick dentists anymore it's hard enough to go to the dentist plane yeah without all those threats (laughs) and weirdnesses all right the subject line of this is a it's a toronto hometown i worked with the angel of death when i was 15 oh my god uh hi gang I got a wicked hometown murder about a serial killer nurse for y'all. Where are you from? Uh, when I was 15, because that's Boston and that's the South. Totally. This person is actually from Toronto. She's from Toronto. all over. She's, that's right. She's an army brat. Yeah. Okay. When I was 15, I worked as a student nurse's aide at this super shady nursing home in Woodstock, Ontario. Cool. No, not the Woodstock. This one is the dairy capital of Canada. <laughs> Same. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I love to learn. Mm. So there was this nurse at the home named Beth Elizabeth and then full name Elizabeth Wetlaufer. And I worked with her from 2010 to 2013, which happened to be right smack dab in the middle of her active killing spree. (gasps) In 2007, Beth started working at this nursing home. And in that first year, she tried to kill two old lady sisters by injecting them with insulin, but they survived. Apparently, it's pretty hard to accidentally overdose people with insulin. So it's pretty intentional if someone does administer a lethal dose. Mm. Between 2007 and 2014... 
She killed eight seniors and attempted to kill four more, along with two aggravated assaults from before, making her Canada's first female serial killer. During her confession, Beth said she felt that God was telling her to kill who to kill next or that the seniors were mean and difficult. So she just killed them. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Sorry, that's not it's not funny. It's like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, But that I have a, a nervous reaction that when I'm very upset about things, I just start laughing. That's what this podcast is. That's why we're here. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so you're not mad at me? Oh my God, no. <laughs> after she was killed, after she killed, she said she felt a cackling from the pit of hell. That's in quotes. Within her. And then in parentheses, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, she apparently had confessed to the murders to a former girlfriend, a pastor, a lawyer, a narcotics anonymous sponsor, Dude. and a student nurse. And no one did anything except to tell her to stop or pray for her or some shit. Sorry to give advice again to fucking serial killers, yeah. but don't tell anyone. Right. I mean, and also, if you're going to tell someone because you want to be stopped... Don't pick the lamest people in your in your life. Or the people who won't believe you. Yeah, or the people who kind of don't have the guts to do anything. Yeah. And they're just like, you should pray. You're so silly. What's her name, Margaret? You're so silly. <laughs> Margaret. <I don't> <laughs> What's her name, Margaret? <laughs> that sounds like a Margaret. <laughs> um, okay. So... Almost exactly one year ago today, Beth went to a mental health institution in Toronto and fessed up for the sixth fucking time, I might add, and uh, that she'd killed eight old people and they contacted the police. Beth pled guilty immediately and on June 26, 2017, like this was three fucking months ago, you guys, it's crazy. She was sentenced to eight concurrent life sentences in prison with no possibility of parole for 25 years. Wow. Uh, Some other weird shit she did while she was actively killing. When asked if rumors about her being a murderer were true beth started quote laughing hysterically Um, (laughs) as you do and then finally she she published some weird ass poems online about a woman quote quenching her craze uh by stabbing someone to death and another about how much she likes old people quote their wrinkles their frailty their smell knowing this is their last home ew margaret super fucked up eh i also forgot to mention that beth went to high school with my mom gotta love small towns fuck politeness and stay out of the forest amy oh my god that's super nuts margaret stop killing people margaret her name's elizabeth elizabeth (laughs) elizabeth margaret stop killing people margaret is short for elizabeth (laughs) i almost said really (laughs) jesus i'm so gullible um Okay, this just is called Hometown Story. Hi, everyone. Don't want to miss anyone, so this will do. <laughs> Thank you. I've never <laughs> been one to do something like this, but thought this story was too cool not to share. I was born and raised in the North Jersey town of Morristown, New Jersey. Morristown is a... <laughs> New Jersey. What did I say? <laughs> no, no, no. The, oh. They just said New Jersey oh, yeah. twice in a row. Like, New Jersey. In the New Jersey town of, of Morristown, New Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> Morristown is a super cute and diverse town with a picturesque town center and lots to do. This is from the tourism board from Morristown, North New Jersey. <laughs> when growing up in Morristown, the town's rich history is drilled into our brains while at school. Just a couple cool facts. Elizabeth Schuler was staying in Morristown when Alexander Hamilton was courting her. Mm-hmm. Washington had headquarters here during the Revolutionary War. And Peter Dinklage was born here. Hey! hey! But one historic story 
that was not taught in school, but we all know is the murder of the Sayer family and subsequent hanging of Anton LeBlanc. Anton LeBlanc was a French immigrant who arrived in Morristown in the mid-19th century. He was hired by the Sayer family as a handyman, but LeBlanc was from a well-to-do European family and didn't like his meager work in the U.S. I mean, who among us, asshole? Yeah, for real. Only a couple weeks later, he murdered Mr. and Mrs. Sayer, as well as their servant, Phoebe. Then he took any valuables he could with him and frantically ran away, headed towards New York City. Stupidly, he left a trail of stolen items as he tried to escape. Because of this, the murder scene was quickly discovered and he was found at a tavern in uh, Hackensack, about 30 miles away. LeBlanc was subsequently tried and sentenced to be hanged. The story gets worse, though. After being hanged in the town center, might I add, his body was taken to Dr. Canfield's office where they conducted experiments by hooking his body to batteries and trying to resurrect him. Still gets worse. His skin was then sent to a local tannery where a bunch of wallets, purses, book jackets, etc. were made as keepsakes. Imagine hearing this story as a child. This all sounds like a tall tale, but in the 90s, a death mask of his face and wallet made of human skin said to be his was found in a local collector's house after his death. I believe it's stored at the police department now. They say that all the, quote, keepsakes are scattered through Morristown and the surrounding area, maybe heirlooms kept by longstanding local families. Can you imagine? Grandma's dead, everyone. Here's what you get. And here's a fucking face. You get a people book. (laughs) Of a murderer. Jesus. And then she writes, and done. Sorry it was so long, but it's such a good murder slash local history slash legend story. I've been listening to you since the beginning and always get excited to hear new episodes every week. And I guess I'll do one of these. Stay sexy and don't buy antique wallets at garage sales. (laughs) Francisca. Like San Francisco, but without the San and ending with an A. (laughs) Thank you. I I would have called you Francesca, so I appreciate New Jersey. (laughs) New Jersey. Francisca, New Jersey. Francisca, like New Jersey, but San Francisco. (laughs) Wow, that was, yeah, that is, I'm, those ones, it's so nice when they're from the 1700s and we can just go like, oh, people back then. Yeah. Deny that it's happening to this day. But I do think that I'm pretty sure when they say death mask, they mean the thing, the, like, they do a, they do a mold of the face when they're dead. Uh, oh, not it's not right. a human face. I was just like just, they skinned his face and kept, no. <laughs> okay, no, that makes more sense. It's not it's not Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I was going shrunken head. Act three. Bitter. No, no. Yeah, okay. As, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Please correct no, me, New Jersey, makes... if I'm wrong. <laughs> Everyone right in, in New, Jersey New Jersey will let you know. <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, the subject line of this email is my drug-addicted needle-reusing oral surgeon. Okay, so I would say to anybody who is a bit creeped out by bad medical things, Uh you're going to want to jump ahead the 30 button a couple times. I can't do that. For real? 
Are you no likey? I can't. No, I'm. You know, I love it. Okay, put okay. your finger up if you if you feel faint. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Hello, Georgia, Karen, Stephen, and Pets. My hometown story is from a suburb of South Denver. It is my very own oral surgeon who removed not only my wisdom teeth but my mother's and sisters as well. He was recommended to us by a good family friend who just so happened to also be our dentist. I would assume that if he'd known what this oral surgeon was doing, he wouldn't have oh. recommended his family friends to oh see my him. God. And I'm unsure how he got caught, but in 2012, 10 years after we had been to see him, it was found out that from 1999 to 2011, this motherfucker was not only committing <laughs> prescription fraud and using the drugs intended for his patients and treating patients while actually on painkillers, <gasps> but he was also reusing needles from patient to patient. Oh, my God. No, why? Don't do that. Right. That's just you don't need to do that. It's, this is this is absolutely um, in the doctor death yeah. category of bum out th things that could happen. Okay. Doctor wise. Okay. And if you haven't heard doctor death. I haven't. Oh, I, I just don't want to. Oh, right. Because if you if you can't handle these kind of squeamish things, Dr. Death is like times 25. OK. But if you can, it's one of the best podcasts out there. I'm into this right now. Though. OK. Keep going. <laughs> OK. So letters were sent to any previous or current patients of his informing them of the situation. Myself, my mom and my two sisters, one of which who had just had a baby. <gasps> so we had the added scare of my nephew's health, Ugh. along with 8000 other patients of his. 8000. 8000. Had to get tested for HIV and hepatitis. Six of his patients had tested positive for HIV or hepatitis. But of course, it is impossible to say whether or not right. those patients contracted it from his stupidity. Myself and my family all tested negative. Oh, yeah. Praise Stephen's mustache. Oh, my God. That was in parentheses. Oh, my God. Stephen. <laughs> Look at Stephen's embarrassed, sunburned face. I, I gasped genuinely a few seconds ago. Stephen's you're, you're bright red, but it's also because you went to the Ren Fair and now yes. you have a sunburn, not because you're embarrassed. Oh, that's the story is already so horrifying. It's horrifying, and then you're pulled into it. Yeah, can't wait. Um, so they all, this family all tested negative, and we're able to put the whole thing behind us. The state never charged filed charges what? against this psychopath, but he agreed to surrender his dental license and license as How an oral surgeon. How could they file charges against him? I don't know, Karen. I'm I, mad at you. For oh, I will call the Denver <laughs> PD. I wish you would. Thank However, this guy isn't done yet. Uh-oh. In 2013, he was pulled over and arrested in Lake Tahoe for driving under the influence of cocaine. Dude. That's specific. That's very specific. So like, how bad are you on cocaine if you're get pulled over for it? You're, <laughs> you're talking so much, you start yeah. swerving. Yeah. Um, he admitted to being a drug addict after his uh, issue in Colorado. My sister, who is also obsessed with her podcast, and I searched to find any updated information after his arrest in Lake Tahoe, but we haven't found anything. I guess that's a good thing. Maybe he's sharing dirty needles in the privacy of his own home <laughs> instead of with patients in a doctor's office. Uh. Anyway, thanks for your amazing podcast and the wonderful Murderino community. Listening to you guys always brightens my day. SSDGM. <laughs> and always beware of creepy dentists. Anne-Marie. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Us too. Right? Reading your story always brightens up there. <laughs> Any kind of needle, uh, involuntary needle sharing wow. story. What is a bummer. A like you go to these <clears throat> doctors that you should, you trust. Like why go to the trouble of getting a fucking dental degree if you're just going to be a piece of shit about it? Well, it's those drugs. drugs. I'm sure he started with oh. all the best intentions. And then suddenly he's like, I could save a little more money for my cocaine if I reuse these needles. I mean, like, it's drug thinking. Oh, God. This one's called Human Skin Book Bindings at the Mutter Museum. Mm. Dear Karen, Georgia and Co. 
On behalf of the staff at the College of Physicians in Philadelphia, well known for its Muter Museum, we are huge fans of your podcast, which is such an honor. That museum is so fucking cool and badass. I'm so bummed I've never been there yet. In your most recent episode, the question of how common was the practice of binding books in human skin came up, and we wanted to offer our expertise. Hell yes, Uh Muter Museum, Mutter. (laughs) Uh, our historical medical library just happens to have the largest confirmed collection of anthrop, anthrop, I'm going to get this, anthropod, <laughs> anthropodermic, anthro, like, like, like derma. Karen, you're so smart. Sorry. No, sorry, you're sorry. right. I love words. I love words. Anthropodermic books in the country. So we thought we'd share what we know. It wasn't uncommon for 19th century physicians and surgeons to tan human skin and subsequently use the leather as book bindings. Traditional 19th century tanning began by soaking an animal skin in lime water. After the skins had soaked any flesh, fat and hair was removed from the skin by hand. Ew. Mm -mm. The defleshed skins were soaked again in lime water for a few days and then soaked in baths of tannin, usually derived from tree bark, that were made progressively stronger over a period of weeks or months. Once tanned, the skins were dried, rolled, and pressed into leather. Of course, this brings up the question of whether the doctors had their their patient's permission, uh, which in many cases can't be confirmed. Mm. Three of our five anthropodermic books came from the skin of one woman, Mary Lynch, who died of trichinosis on January 16th, 1869 at Old Blockley in Philadelphia. One of her attending physicians, John Stockton Howe, removed a piece of her skin from her thigh sometime between her death and burial. In June of 1887, Howe used the skin to partially bind three books, all dealing with women's reproductive health. We don't know if Howe had Mary Lynch's permission or why he chose to bind books about conception and childbirth with her skin. These three books, in addition to the other two anthropodermic books in the library collection, represent a unique convergence of text and medical specimen. The books as collections of text remain valuable sources in the history of medicine. The books as objects force us into uncomfortable considerations of the use of human skin in bindings and whether the use of human skin diminishes the value of the text, rendering them mere objects of mortal curiosity. So smart. If you're ever in Philadelphia, we would love to give you a private tour and we would love to take it. Oh, please. Stay sexy and don't let your skin be turned into a book without your consent. (laughs) The staff at the Muter Museum of, co- of the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. And then I remember that I have a friend who's this really smart librarian who was working on a book about this practice. So I looked it up and it actually comes out next month in October. How fucking oh, shit. weird is that? It's called Dark Archives, a librarian's investigation into the science and history of books bound in human skin. And her, her name's Megan Rosenblum. I just, I completely oh, wow. forgot that I well, that's this girl. that's such good news that that book is coming out because I would love to know why they did that and what the, the I mean, like, yeah, apparently it just doesn't. It's so creepy. This to book me. gets into all of that. How cool is Cause that? Because we've heard a couple stories about creepy doctors where I'm thinking this doctor that did that with the this story that you just told. Right. May may have been a creep. Could have yeah. been. Yeah. Sounds like it. Real good. I don't know. So that's, but then maybe in this book, it explains that it was like, right, some, I don't know, what would the explanation be that would make me feel better? I'm not sure. There, isn't, there can't be one. I mean, it's a bit history, maybe for like history's sake, you know, I mean, but it's a book. I know. 
<laughs> Just use fucking paper and leave people alone. <laughs> well, I bet you'll find out in the book Dark Archives by Megan Rosenblum. I think Fuck. that's it. Yeah, that's it. Send that's- your hometowns to my favorite murder at Gmail. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Bye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>